Welcome to Family Business Diaries, the podcast where we unravel the secrets of family businesses. I'm your host, Mary Asante Samwa, and today our guest is a distinguished health professional, Dr. Gifty Kwashi Nigisa, the medical director at Midway Clinic and of a 40-year-old private practice in Ghana founded by her father. Dr. Gifty Kwashi Nigisa has over 10 years of experience in private sector health administration and management. She's an obstetrician and gynecologist with a special interest in fertility management and antenatal care and delivery. Gifty holds a Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery from the University of Ghana Medical School, membership in the Ghana College of Surgeons and the West African College of Surgeons, a certificate in Health Administration and Management from the Ghana Institute of Management and Public Administration, and a Master's Degree in Public Health from the University of Ghana. Her passion for antenatal health education motivated her to create Gifty's Bump and Baby Club, an antenatal and education platform which provides practical antenatal health education classes to empower parents-to-be. Gifty is a 2018 Mandela Washington Fellow and an alumni of Stanford University Business School's Seed Transformation Program. Okay, so Dr. Gifty, welcome to Family Business Diaries. I'm so glad to finally have you. I mean, we've been trying to meet for what? It's been a very long time. <laughs> well, we're grateful for your, your finally, patience. Finally, I'm here. Yes, yeah. yes. So let's, let's just dive right in because I don't want you to get a call saying you're needed. <laughs> All right. So why don't we start from the top? I want to hear your story. Tell us, you know, how you got here because I know it's been quite a journey. So just share with our audience. All right. So well, how did I get here? So I'm the third of four children. My dad is an, was an obstetrician and gynecologist. He passed away in 2020, bless his soul. And he started Midway Hospital, which is now 43 years old, so in 1980. Amazing. And he started it basically as an obstetrician, you know, clinic and a general practice. And over time, we have grown from a two-bedroom facility, a two-bedroom hospital, more or less, which had seven beds, to a 35-bed hospital now. And now we're offering multiple specialties, more than 10 specialties from what we were doing before. And so how did I get here? Growing up, we lived in the hospital. Um, in, we were in Abeka Junction till 1988, and then we moved into our current location, in our current location, we lived in the hospital in the wing, which is now the private wards. And so whenever they operated or there was a case being done, you would hear when they feel the pressing up the ramp in the hospital. And I used to get excited about it. So excited, very excited about oh my it. God. And so I remember that when I was 10 years old, I asked my dad and I was in class five at the time. I asked my dad, I want to come and see what we're doing in theater. He says, you're too young. You fall down, you collapse. And I said, no. So I remember very well, they gowned me up and the gown, they gowned me up and it was like puss in boots. <laughs> and then he made me stand at the corner, which was just by the door. And then he had someone standing with me and as I was standing then, he was operating. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I want to see more. So I kept edging on to come closer. He's like, oh, just stay there. I'm like, oh, I want to see more. You know, by the time the surgery was done, I had as much as almost near the bed in my nose mask and all to come and see and peep and what's going on, what's going on. And then I couldn't even really see because I was short. short. So all I see is people gowned up and I didn't even know what they were doing. 
So that was how I started. So I know that when I was in class six, at the time I was 12, if when people ask you, what do you want to be? I never said, oh, I want to be a doctor. Like I was very specific. I knew I wanted to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. That's and I think that my dad classic. had just wrapped up for me because I'd seen so much of what he did and it excited me. And I just loved the fact that, you know, you have all these people coming and you're able to have babies come out. It's like a welcoming life. And I just love that aspect of it all. So that was the mindset I had then. And so moving on from JSS, going into JSS, every time you had, you would go and work and volunteer in a unit. And I think it was more formalized when I got into, just after JSS, you know, he put you in the lab, he put you in the finance unit, he put you in the pharmacy. And so by the time I was about finishing SSS, I think I knew how every unit in the facility operated. And so it felt very homely, I should put it that way. And so transitioning on from SS, going into university. So when I was finished secondary school, I wrote my, I went and did my A-level as well, because at the time I used to do O-level. And so when I came home, I remember I went to Presec and I did my a-level classes. So we finished with the first batch that did two and a half years. And so we finished in August and I used from August to, um, I think November to write the A-level in November. Yes. Cause I remember that nine 11 occurred that year. So I was learning for the exam when I saw nine 11 live on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote in December, the A-level in December and I mean, I did get quite impressive grades for that. And I remember having applied to some schools in the UK and getting some scholarships to go on fully. And my dad sat me down and said, my daughter, if you leave me, who is going to help me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> These I, keep, I keep saying, I think I was blackmailed to stay in Ghana. <laughs> How could you say to no me, to such Oh, well, you know, if you stay in Ghana... And at the time, he was very optimistic that the academic calendar was going to remain, you know, as it was because Ghana had progressed and all because my other siblings had gone out because there were breaks in the academic calendar. And he says, if you stay here, I will do this for you and I'll do this for you and I'll do that for you. Okay. But I don't think he had to really do beg much. to do so much because the love was already there because I had already formed like an association with the facility like, uh, let me see, I was a part of the facility. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up staying in Ghana, did medical school in Ghana, finished. And then I did my um, houseman training and did my specialty training in Kulibu with the Ghana College and the West Africa College to finish as a member. And then from then, I went back to Midway as a permanent staff. So... I was a government worker up until 2012. And then when I needed to go back into training, at the time they had introduced, you know, you having to pay fees and, you know, the government having to sponsor you. And if I wanted to do that, it would have meant that I've had to stay for a longer time in government. You know, my dad was also getting old. So then it meant I had to come on into midway as a permanent staff then get a stipend and not a salary because you were not doing so great then and go to school 
and then I finished. And in 2017, I went back full time to Midway as the medical director. Yes. Interesting story. So that is how I find myself in Midway. And so I have grown through Midway. It's a very interesting story. I mean, 10 years, please, even if you paid me, I'd be like, I won't do this. At 10 years, you want to go into said like, wow. But let's unpack what you said. I, I, I just feel like, so for you, I mean, seeing your dad and all, then is it okay to say that maybe he had influence on, you know, your choice of, you know, education path, like what you chose to do in school and all of that. It was all him, right? I think that my dad was never one to say, you need to do this because I have other siblings. And when he felt you didn't express interest, he never forced anyone. Mm -hmm. So it was more like, even in terms of doing specialization, I'm sure if I finished medical school and I said I wanted to do something else, he probably would not have said anything about it. He never said, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, it was more of encouraging you to do what you want to do. So I have a younger sister who, I mean, from the word go, when the theater bed is coming up the ramp, she's running away, like far away from yeah, the that's bed. My <laughs> yes, yeah. And he always used to say, this daughter of mine can never do it. <laughs> and she expressed an interest in doing finance, business then. And nobody in my family had ever done that. But he was absolutely supportive, you know, gave her all the guidance that she needed and the support to do that and so i i don't think yes i i i think the way he carried himself and went about his work is probably something that made me endeared towards wanting to be like him Mm. but yes okay so then in terms of the family business really if you're thinking about it it was just you and dad you and your dad were in active operation well because i was here because you went because i was here so i when my elder sister was in medical school i know she was also helping him like on board Mm -hmm. and even for her when i mean i was having kids and pregnant she was on maternity leave and she could take a year off in the uk so she came down and was helping my dad at the time yes but i've basically been the main person here so it's been more or less me and him working together that that offers i mean you know, when I listen to your story, I see that your dad was very intentional with succession plan. It almost seemed like, because I'm just surprised that even with healthcare, you all chose the same specialty, right? But so how has it been in terms of the family business, right? Your dad was running it and you're in charge now. But when you're talking about the business, it's not just you, right? The other family members yeah. still have a say. Like what's the setup? What are the dynamics? I mean, so while my dad was alive, um and one of the things he used to say was that it's not when he's passed away that people are going to be fighting and bickering about what it's what and everything and so while he was alive he did give everyone this you know everybody kind of knows where and what everyone is getting and so for me working with him he offloaded quite a number of shares to me because he says as a child who's here and actively keeping the business i mean it is more important that you have something that shows that i'm here and I'm working for it because this is your life now. Maybe other people have other is, things yeah. they're doing, yes. And then everybody else got a percentage of what has to be done. I mean, it's in so much so that it's been, this year it's going to be four years. And it's now that we are kind of working out his will and other issues that have got to do with it. Because everybody kind of knew what, 
when what needed to be done yes it must have been an awkward conversation though well about him transitioning his yes when i don't think i don't think that it was an awkward thing because he was quite active about um and my dad died at the age of 81 so it wasn't like he was very a young person but he kept saying that oh he wishes god would just give god needed to just give him 88 that's what he said like oh if god would just take me to 88 i'll be fine (laughs) and i don't i wonder why he said 88 but yes unfortunately he passed away at 81 yes and so he he was actively working up until 2015 ish and then he started getting ill health and not being so well and so even in terms of like um finance you know people who having to you know banking and mm-hmm. getting letters of authority and everything he needed to make sure that somebody was also in his debt and i have been um so let me say i've been an employee of midway probably since informally since 2009 because i used to help him to get doctors so i was like the clinical coordinator while i was in medical school because my seniors and stuff when he needed medical officers i just say oh this person is there and i ask around and i get people so i used to help him getting doctors and then in 2013 i was deputy medical director to him and so then you kind of get into the whole managing and you know what's going on and everything and so as part of and like i said because of his he he wanted to be sure that if anything happened his legacy will move on and it's not like it's just going to end yeah so he needed to be active on making sure that there are structures in place to ensure that it's going to move forward and i remember in 2015 he had a talk with me he came to my house and said Getty, let's go so when it starts in a in a pub somewhere kind of issue and he he says you know this journey that you're going on it's not a very easy journey it's going to be a very tough journey business in africa it's very hard <laughs> you know and i know that you have the capacity to do it oh, <laughs> and then he this. yeah and then he he as he was talking going and he brings me out the papers and says yes yeah, so these are the things he knows that he's you know not act, going to be very active and so this is what he wants to do and now he starts telling me all the things that's like true. hey okay <laughs> what's happening here but yes i mean that's the reality of the ground you must know that we are not going to be in forever and um i think that by virtue of those things we've not had probably had the issues that other families have had with people you know the tussle that goes on with it yes i think it's been it's been great that you guys have actually expanded i mean you've done so well yes how did your siblings take it though in terms of i mean when he did that split and had that conversation with you did he go to everybody after that and say this is what i'm doing or well i think he discussed with people after but was one thing about my dad he always used to say that i set up my business when i was setting up my business none of you were there you know how they they can pull that card yes like when i was setting up my business nobody was there to tell me how i should set up my business so if i wanted to run this way this is how i wanted to run you know so it wasn't it's not as if we had a business where we sit at the table and say, oh, what should we do today as a business? No. He says, because I remember he used to say that, you know, it's, you need to work in for them. It's not a matter of it's there. So you, you are entitled to it. You need to work to prove it. Because he used to say, what if I was a, a lecturer somewhere and there was nothing to, are you going exactly. to go and teach after me when you don't have the capacity? Yes. And so it was not, one thing he 
that probably got instilled in all of us is the fact that hard work my dad was hard working mm. and i think it's something that has washed across all my siblings you need to work hard wherever you go you need to prove yourself wherever you go mm. and i think that is what that that that's what kept resounding amongst us so it's not really you know that, that my father has a business so yeah if the business comes you know then i'm just We're okay good. and i'm just gonna fill in the business no you needed to work you needed to show that you know you were fit to be there and you were okay to be there yeah you're definitely fit to be there because <laughs> from time you i don't know what what else you need to prove yeah, yeah that's interesting i was just curious i mean you mentioned that you were in kolegu for a while i don't know if it's part of the medical journey but what did it feel like moving from kolegu or public to the private practice well, what was the that transition practice. yeah so because i've always been like in kind of private because even though i wasn't officially working mm -hmm. i know what the private setup means i'll say that having grown up in a private setup where you see what kind of things we have to do for patient care and how to get you know how we even communicate when you move out of that and you go into like the government setup okay. then you see that there's a big difference you know it's a very and i think probably that was also helped me in getting strategy planning well because you you kind of saw what was supposed to be per how you grew up with patients interaction and clients interaction and then you go into a different setup right. where it's like so different even people's attitude but there i mean i must say that there are some great government health workers a lot of in fact there are more great government health workers than the bad nuts it's just unfortunate that, would make noise that the bad nuts <laughs> just fall the soup for yeah. everyone but i think that overall most people go out of their way wanting to do the best maybe it just has to be with not having the things that they require to work with and that's just what makes them handicapped mm -hmm. and sometimes it can be frustrating even when you have the best intentions if the things you need to work and to give your output is not there and makes you harder it, and it makes it seem as if the care is not coming forth as it should but not necessarily because you don't want it to be i don't think anybody goes out of their way not to be nice to patients people the majority of people really want to see the best for their patients just a few bad nuts a few bad nuts good and do you think maybe running your own business having this family business allows you I guess it gives you a chance to do more than if you were working somewhere. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, I mean, the one thing I've learned in terms of managing the facility is that, you know, wherever there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. If you need something, you ask, how do I do it? Where do I get the things from? Do we have the finance for it? You yeah. make it available. If you find a handicap somewhere, you think about it. How do I find a solution to this? You get it up and running, you know? Mm -hmm. I must say that in... So my dad, before he, he passed away, started having challenges with his kidney. And at the time, there were just a very few facilities that were running dialysis services. And he needed to have that service done. He used to joke and say that at this age of his, why is he going to get a kidney transplant? Mm -hmm. God should just give him 88 years. That's all that he needs. And so he had to do dialysis. And when we started dialysis, he was going to a center for dialysis. And we realized that, look, this is something we can actually do if we, and so the, the conversation started, different people came on board, got people who knew what to do. And voila, we were able to start the dialysis and we've been running dialysis since 2019. Yes. Really? 
yep so that's one of the good things about being in private and having capacity to do if you think about it you can say if you dream it you think about it you can achieve it (laughs) you can make it happen so i really love this because it's almost like you identify a need and then you go for it make it happen right when i was reading your profile one of the things that what gifties what is it bump and and baby baby club Yes, Bump and Baby Club. I'm curious to know what the story is on that one. Yes, so Bump and Baby. So the thing is that, you know, as a doctor, you feel like you kind of know how to look after babies and they come. And I mean, I worked as a medical officer, I pretty much, I mean, apart from a short stint in anesthesia, I pretty much worked as a medical officer in Opsengaini until I started my residency training. And so when I had my first child, I was shocked. <laughs> shocked to find out that even though I had been handling babies and whatnot, having one that is stuck with you is not the same as, you know, managing other people's own. And I felt so inadequate about handling a child and things that I thought were, you know, I should know. I didn't, I had no, absolutely no idea. So that experience, I said, no, I think that there's a gap in people's expectations for what would happen mm-hmm. and what actually happens and i felt you know i i like to teach about it i like i like teaching when it comes to things so why won't i start by educating people so actually it was my husband who came up with this <laughs> okay what about gifties bumping because i said bumping baby i was thinking okay gifties bumping baby and so after that then i got it registered as a business and we're moving on from there so initially it was classes i started it as a business because yes i was looking at how i'll make a profit out of it as i talk to people but over time i've come to where i over time now it's really a free class that we do but in terms of balancing i would say that being a doctor is work in itself and being a, a manager or being a leader is also work and i've been blessed I have a very supportive partner. He's also in the healthcare space. So he's an orthopedic surgeon and he also is a leader himself. So he knows what it means to manage people and still do clinical work. And so he's been very supportive of the kind of work that I do. Mm. And it has meant that we need to be intentional about the time that we have. Because for both of us being surgeons, we mostly are away from home for and so when we are home, we make sure that we are spending time home. Yeah. And so we've had to find people to do different things for us so that when you're home, you're not like doing rushing things, do doing the rushing to do laundry, rushing to do so that you can invest your time yeah. as a couple and then with your children as well. So I pretty much say, even though I tend to work, I, I think between the two of us, we spend, a, our children get to see us a lot of times, which is the irony. Yes, because when we are home, we are with them or we are with ourselves so that we can also work. Because marriage is work. It's not just yeah, the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> the bubbles will fade and you need to fool it. So just being able to hang on together and make the time for it, I think has been very helpful in how we balance and the grace of God. All right. So then you have the structure working that keeps, you know, the work-life balance helps you out. So that's good. I'm just curious. Another thing I know about you is you were, um, you, you were part of the Stanford seed program. 
Yeah. Right. And then also a Mandela Washington fellow. Right. So how have these, all these things influenced, you know, your, your leadership or, or what you do at Midway? What do you think all this has had an impact on your family business? Have all the, I'm just curious to know. Okay. So being a medic, medical school pretty much teaches you to be a medic. There's no business. I mean, now probably it's changed, but that's when I was in training, it was purely to be a medic and there was no business training. There was no concept of management. There was nothing like that. For me, a lot of the things I learned managing wise was because I worked with my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I learned on the job. And when you learn on the job, you begin to see that there are deficiencies because there's a lot you can learn as an apprentice. But there's still a lot more, depends on who's training, because he also was a medic who so was trained at another medic, yeah. you know, so, but he had done other things and joined other groups to also help him broaden his scope. And I, I, when I, I joined full-time in 2017 and I realized that I needed to get a broader scope for medicine, for, for business, if I wanted to scale up, because then I realized I needed to scale up. Mm-hmm. I needed to, there was so much more we could do. Mm-hmm. And how was I going to scale up? I need to have the background to do that. And going for formal training was not something that I was going to have the time for at the time, you know. And so the Mandela Washington Fellowship was a great platform because it was just for six weeks. And I could do business and entrepreneurship. And actually where I went to, they also had like family business. They kind of put people who were more into family business into that segment so or let me say a, a few people like that and so when i went in for my fellowship i got to go to companies that had been running in generations of families mm-hmm. to see like what, what had gone on and how they had transitioned and the kind of structures they had put in place to make it stay within the family and you know what it meant for people who married into the family what role that they play in and you you find that these are I keep saying you don't need to reinvent the wheel. People have done these things before. So it's exposure is what gives you these things. And so the Mandela Oceans Fellow gave me exposure for things that I could do and things that could be possibilities, you know. And that in itself was like a foundation. So it was just a very short course. Um, but you got to pick up a bit of snippets here and there, here and mm. there, and you knew that you need to do this. And I must say that I've joined other groups too that have helped me in doing little training. One of our groups together. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to EWN. Yes, EWN. So some of these things, they, they help you, especially when you feel like you're handicapped. If I probably came from a business background, I don't think it would be really make such a big impact on me as a person because these are basic things you learn. Business, you say, um, if you take a finance document and you look at it, you can say your assessor liability is so simple. But for me, it took me a lot to learn those things. And having to go into so these kinds of programs made a big difference for how I looked at the business and gave you some thirst, made you, you know, there was a drive there. You wanted to do something and yeah. you don't know how to do it. So when you go and you get into these programs, it helps. But the Stanford seed was exceptional in terms that, you know, it didn't give you the formal classroom setting kind of your training. It was very practical. 
it was the things I used to think about that mm, are these things possible? I realized that they were more than possible. In fact, they were possible and they were like two over yes. 10. They were things that were maybe eight over 10, nine over wow. 10 beyond what I was thinking. And so it gives you that there's so much possibility. There's so many things you can do. There's, you don't need to put a ceiling to how far you can go. And that in terms of organizing, it was great because it not only took me as a person into the program, I had my management team also taking part. So it, it, it didn't become, you keep hammering, you know, you need to do this, you need to, because one of the things or problems I had was when I was transitioning from my father's era into my era, kind mm -hmm. of, you had people you were working with I was who were, time ago. yeah, who were in the old mm -hmm. crop, let me say, and things have changed. We need to move forward. You need to grow. And they don't seem to see what you are talking about of how much you can go because they are comfortable with the numbers that they see. They don't, okay. they are okay. They don't see why do you, why do we have to change? Why do we have to worry about growing bigger? We are already making it. Okay. Yes. They don't see that there's so much potential and we can go on further. And so when you start pushing, it's like, there's always uh, resistance, resistance. And so when I had people coming on and new people also joining on, I feel like I needed them to see what the vision I had yeah. for how much more I wanted to grow and what the possibilities and the capabilities were. And seed was something that they could also take part in because it was an international faculty. Yeah. They could get to experience what it meant and not just become a local champion, but to be a bigger thing. Yeah, yep, yep. I have seed on my list. It, it's one thing I really wish to do. One day, one day we'll we'll go back and do that. Yeah. But all right, so this is good. I mean, it, it. I like I like the fact that you mentioned you know the transition from your dad's era to to your to yours because it's always a difficult thing. It's not that easy. People see you. It's like this ten year old is finally up here coming to tell us. You know, they yeah. watched you grow. Yeah. There's all of this. So I mean, I I, I love the fact that you're able to sign them up for programs like this where the mindsets you know we're changing mindsets and it's not just you giving directions but they can see what people are doing out there and learn. so that that's that's amazing i want to i want to ask this though i mean as a female as a female leader in the healthcare industry right what advice do you have for other women aspiring to succeed in family-owned businesses particularly in the healthcare sector we've had um elikem was here um, he talked. He talked um, more about the Nyaho story. But for you, as a as a female um, in the industry, like what what would you say about the healthcare sector? I think that I probably start business is business. Whether it's healthcare, whether it's retail, whether it's mining. engineering, it's mining, it's business. Yeah. I I always see that the setup is just what changes. At the bottom of it all well, is business. And I keep telling my people that, you know, sometimes they'll do this, they say, oh, this person, I said, we don't want a charity. <laughs> it's a business. Yeah, and as much as we are providing a service, it is a business. Okay. At the end of the month, if we do not have enough finances, we okay. all will not get paid. So it is a business. So, and that is why I like these programs that I've been running around because it makes me realize that in as much as healthcare, you need to have the human face to it and you have to have, you know, the, 
empathy to want to help people you must also realize that this is a business that we are in and so knowing how to sometimes being female you know you see people suffering or they come through and you realize oh my god they don't have enough and you want to help and you want there has to be a limit to where you say i'm gonna you know no i can only do up to this point because it sometimes it just touches you you want to do something you want to help but you really need to and every time you need to remember hey i have people i need to pay <laughs> so you need to get your act together yes that's the reality so at the bottom line of it it's business when it comes to probably the thing i would say for females coming into any businesses combining for me as a health person combining clinical work and administration is a tough thing because being a doctor is full time. Yes. You have people calling you every every time of the day. They want to feel and I like to I, I think that one of the things that stresses me out as a doctor is that I, I get too in, emotional, too involved in my patients. Yeah. So it's like you're itching for good things to happen to them. And it drains you. It drains you. And then you also now have to think of them administrative aspects of it mm -hmm. so you're working full-time you're doing clinical work you're operating you are doing all kinds of things and then you also have to now look at your numbers okay. and so it means you need to have the right kind of people who can help you because you cannot do it alone and so if you have people who are working with you that don't seem to get your vision that don't understand then it means you have you know, stuff extra around work. that's extra work. And it's taking me a while getting around, making sure that I have the right people surrounding me so that I don't burn out. Yeah. And I can do what I love about doing the business. Because some people will come in and say, Why won't you just go straight up into, you know, managing and whatnot? I love being a manager, but I love, love being a doctor. Yeah. And so I have to find a way that it will work both ways for me. And how do I do that? I make sure that I have people who can manage on the other side, people who can manage on the healthcare side, who also tend to get, so we don't have gaps in the kind of healthcare I'm providing or gaps in my um, money, like administrative process. Yeah. That's good. Would you, would you consider having, I mean, currently you're the only family member in, in the business, right? Well, the only person in Ghana here. Yes. Right? So the question is, if, okay. if somebody, so if somebody else, <laughs> If somebody else would come back or if you think, okay, maybe at this point, now nah, I want to do more of this or I want to do more of that, would you consider taking a non-family member? Like, have you considered to bringing non-family members on board? As in, in terms of managing? Managing and then okay. even directors. Well, so board of directors, we have board of directors who are not all family members. Oh, okay. Yes, who are not all family members. But in terms of the business remaining in the family, mm -hmm. We are supposed to keep the business in that the he has spoken for for that. I mean, okay. I know that he said this should be. It could not be sold. It had to be in the family, and for that, I think that I am very okay with having that run. If you had a chance to redo it all, right? Would you still work in a family business? I I won't ask if you still be a doctor. That that's a yes. So. Would you still work in a family business? If you could change the answer, would you still say yes to your dad? What, what would happen? If, if, if I could do it again, yeah. I would say that I, unless my father was different. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had the father that I had, 
or the parents that I had, mm. I think that, yes, it would have been, you know, I feel like it's a big blessing to be able to walk in his shoes and to be able to continue his vision. And it's not really his vision any longer because you see, once you are intentional about succession planning, by the time the person gets there, it's their vision. Yeah. So now it's my vision yeah. of how far, and you carry on. So you've brought it up to here. Where we want to go, if it's still his vision, then the vision is dead because now he's no longer there for me to say, okay, what so is what there about the vision? You mm -hmm. get me? Now it is my vision. And my vision has been shaped by what he put. The foundation. Yeah, the foundation yes. that he laid. Yes. I'm sure your dad is in heaven. That's my girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Gifty. This has been very good. I want you to give us, I mean, if you, one advice to next gens, to, to our, our mates, you know, colleagues. What, what for people working in the family business, what advice would you give to them for people considering working in their family business? What advice would you give? So working in family business may not be as simple as I have said mine is. <laughs> yes. I think that whoever starts the business must have the vision to want the business to go through generations. Cause some people start a business and they're not concerned about what happens when they are no longer there. And it's to be selfish to now burden people who, and you, you, who you've not even put into the business to want. You can't force your way into a family business. If your parents don't want you to be in their business, you can't force you can. your way. So there has to be, a willingness to want you to come in in the first place. <laughs> that is, I think that you have to be, you have to, there has to be the, the willingness to want you to be in it. And now when that willingness to want to be in it comes, then you now have to ask yourself, do I want to do? Because if it wasn't something I wanted to do, I don't think I'll be very happy because this no. work is not easy. You, feel trapped. you will feel very trapped. It can get very lonely being in business, being a female and being a leader. It can get really lonely if you don't have, if you, if, and it's very easy to say, I'm going to give up. And the road is not always smooth. Sometimes I remember when I started in initially, cause we had, then we were not very well. We had a few problems, hitches and here. And sometimes when it's like the 20th of the month, oh my God. So like. You know your heart is just beating. Oh my god! Oh my god! I need to pay salaries. Yeah. And you're, you're like, I need to do this and do this. And so it's not easy, but with time, as the, you put the structures in place, as you grow, you you grow into it. You yeah. mature into it. You must want to do it. You can't. And for parents as well, you can't force your child because you see someone's honest doing it. You can't force your child to want yeah. to do it. It has to be something that they want to do. And the wanting to do it is by influencing that 10 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to be intentional. Yes, because I used to tell him that you you just deceived me. I was that the way I'm like, you you just deceived me to stay in this country. <laughs> about it. But I don't think that if I said I didn't want to be here, he would have said, Oh, uh, I won't let you go out. Yes. It's really and I don't think I have any regrets about staying in Ghana, otherwise I'll not have met my lovely husband. <laughs> <laughs> Our number so, one fan. Yeah, so I, I think everything has worked out for my good. Yes. Thank you so much. I love hearing your story. I mean, this is just 
It's just inspiring. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank for you for having me. Thank you. For We've sharing. been back and forth and back and forth in making time, but I'm it's glad fine. I've been able to show myself here. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> to our audience, many thanks for joining us on this episode. We release new episodes monthly and you can find the show on all podcast streaming platforms, as well as our YouTube channel, Family Business Diaries. If you're a family business owner, manager or worker and would like to share your unique story with us, do send us an email at info at familybusinessdiaries.com. Follow us on social media at Family Business Diaries for behind the scenes, actions and updates. See you on the next episode. Bye.